0: ABC Listen podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. Yeah,
1: Yeah! all my family and um, all of our close friends are celebrating there with Sean. So, whilst they weren't here, if you haven't seen the video, it's it's bloody great.
2: That's Mitch Marsh talking about the sound of Jeff Marsh and Sean Marsh celebrating the Ashes hundred of Mitch Marsh at a sports bar in Bali. Yep, his dad and brother were just saying bison over and over and over. Give me a more West Australian scenario. I'll wait. There was a time when Mitch was the negative meme of the cricketing internet. Those days are long gone as fans have slowly fallen in love with him. In a moment we'll chart his character arc and ask if we might get a late test career renaissance from the all-rounder. We're also talking Eddie Jones era 2.0 with Sean Maloney. Weekend forecasts for AFL and NRL and the beloved soundbites. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Ed Cowan's a former test opener and he's one half of the Grandstand Cricket Pod. Ted, let's break it into performance, context, future. Mitch Marsh just went full Mitch Marsh. Mitch unleashed the fury.
0: What made this innings utterly breathtaking? Mitch Marsh, an innings of his lifetime, really, walks in at four for 80. Well, Mitch Marsh into the side today. He's probably thinking, oh, we may have lost the toss, we might be batting. Probably wasn't going to be thinking that he was going to be out in the middle before lunch. Puts Australia in a position with a run of all 100. This was breathtaking. There's no dismissing that. The pressure to which he came to the crease, uh, but more so the way to which he went about his work. It's almost like he'd been watching basball from the sidelines and decided to put his own twist on it. It was powerful, it was productive, it was aggressive, but it was also technically so efficient that when someone's bowling 95 miles an hour at your nose, you can put them in the grandstand with ease. Wood's going in, he's bowling to Marsh,
2: it's after the short ball,
0: he's hit it strong and long. Bye bye, it's gone into the western terrace for a six. So this was an innings for the ages.
2: Biceball. I mean, if cricket was a TV show... <laughs> there we go. Thank yeah. you very much. You're welcome. You can have that one for next week. If cricket was a TV show, I'd find the Mitch Marsh character development fascinating. Mm. You know, like How is it that the cricket public's kind of gone from seeing him as this cricketing meme about over-selection, a butt of jokes to beloved
0: vibe lord? It's amazing that narrative arc is so media-driven, because anyone that's played with or against Mitch Marsh, that wouldn't hold true. This is someone who contributes with bat and ball. first slip.
2: David Warner, it is. And Mitch Marsh, who is having an excellent day here at Headingley, has picked up Zach Crawley.
0: Uh, in the field and it's just, as you see in those behind-the-scenes takes, is, is such a energy in the change room that people gravitate to. So he's a loved person in the cricket community, there's no doubt about that. And this narrative arc that's developed in the media, mainly around underperformance, and it, it can't help having the Marsh name, which is so famous uh, in Australian cricket as well, maybe the bar's a little bit higher.
1: Yeah, most of Australia hate me.
0: <laughs> but. One thing to, to really call out is you're allowed to improve. And this is someone who has worked very hard on his game, hasn't played a test for four years, but has dominated other formats of the game. We've seen him really be a, a force to be reckoned with in T20 cricket, in one-day cricket, and finally he's got to show his skills that have been in the shadows um, you know, for the last four years
1: in red ball cricket. Hopefully they can respect me for the fact that I keep coming back and... I love playing for Australia. I love wearing the big green cap, and I'll keep trying. And hopefully, I'll win them over one day.
0: It was it was superb to watch.
2: Weird question, but this had a feeling of Usman Khawaja' last chance career renaissance about it. Like, could he Mm. keep Cam Green out of the side now? Could we get a second coming of Mitch Marsh?
0: I think you can't keep Mitch Marsh out of the team. uh, For the record, I don't think if you if you score an Ashes hundred in in these kind of circumstances. And he runs the non-strikers end, raising his hand in delight. That is another Ashes hundred for Mitch Marsh. He saved his best for England. And it wasn't just the runs, you know, how he bowled, having, having batted for a couple of hours as well, seam up, move the ball, good pace. I think that the most likely situation in the short term is that they both play in the team. The golden rule for all-rounders is they need to be holding their spot either as a bowler or a batsman. And on that innings alone, you can see him holding his spot as a batsman and that puts pressure on other people in the lineup. I just wanted to stay ready and
1: think I'm the first man to score a Test 100 on a UK holiday. <laughs>
0: There's no doubt that this will be some renaissance to his career. You don't come out and do that and and be kept on the pine for for any period of time. So I I can really see some selection dilemmas emerging from here. Good selection dilemmas.
2: Can't wait to watch the rest of this test over the weekend. We can Mm. catch your analysis early next week. Ed Cowan, thanks so much. Thank you. Amid all the cricket fever, you might have missed that round 17 of the AFL has started and it was Richmond showing they might still make a play to sneak into the finals action as they edged past the Swans in a thriller. Although they may be missing Toby Nankervis for a while, the Ruckman absolutely laid out his former teammate Jake Lloyd with a shoulder to the head. The Sydney defender was concussed. He's going to miss at least a week of footy. Going to be in a little bit of trouble there, Toby Nankervis. Curvis coach John Longmire did that thing where you can tell he's seeding but he just won't give the journalists a line. It's also probably the last time Lance Franklin will grace the MCG. He kicked two goals from 15 disposals. He did have a chance to win the game. Couldn't quite do it. The other games we're keeping an eye on this weekend are as follows. Bulldogs Collingwood on Friday night as the Sons of the West try and take a scalp against the Premiership favourites, the Doggies. Let's face it, no one trusts them. They're like your early 20s crush who can sometimes seem really into you and other times they pretend like they don't even know your name. They are flaky. Can they show us they're serious about us? By us, I mean the 2023 AFL season. They get a shot at Docklands Friday. Speaking of serious, I am seriously concerned about what Brisbane might do to the Eagles at the Gabba. The Lions have been obliterating teams at their home ground and West Coast they've been historically bad. While they rallied against St Kilda last week for a narrow loss, they're missing the likes of Luke Shuey and Shannon Hearn. I feel like Twitter will be full of those Simpsons memes. Stop, stop, he's already dead. That's on Saturday. Finally, it's Essendon and Adelaide. The Bombers lost after the siren to the other South Australian side last week. Now they're hosting the Crows, who have been dynamite at home and erratic on the road. Bombers fans have not been this excited about a season since James Heard had the long sleeve jumper rocking. Can they cement their place in the eight by knocking over the side who's just in front of them? It's an old-fashioned eight-point swing game. And a reminder, you can catch that and every other game live, free, on the ABC Listen app. (laughs) International rugby returns this weekend as the Wallabies clash with the Springboks. Shawnee Maloney's going to be calling all the action for Stan Sport, And, Shawnee, when Eddie Jones returned, Eddie 2.0, we were promised a harder, edgier Wallabies. What about the 15 that he has named tells us we're going to get just that against the Springboks?
1: Oh, I tell you what, uh, not just that harder edge side of things. I mean, it's a big, big pack we've got. So the debutant number six will be huge, Tom Hooper, who's gone in. I mean, what a place to make your... Wallaby's debut, and he brings that kind of edge. He brings that aggro. Oh, smashed in the tackle. So, I mean, there's one pointer for you, Stacky, and then uh, it's it's a punchy back line with Rhys Hodge at number 12 as well. He's another big, big body looking to counter some of those enormous South Africans. So, it's uh, it's it's an interesting 15. It's got a lot of us really excited, and when you look out wide and see Suli Vunavalu on the wing, it's not just that hard edge. There's a touch of risk attached to the match day 23 as well. And uh, I can't wait to see how they go. You
2: touch on... Suli Vilnavalu. It's got a bit of a rugby league flavour to it, this backline, Sean.
1: It, it does, and uh, Suli has obviously only had really limited minutes at a test level previously. I think he's three or four minutes to his name, but Eddie Jones is such a huge believer in this guy having, an, there's no ceiling to him is what he subsequently come out and said after making that selection of sides. And Bertie Bowling, Bertie Bowling from the corner. Yeah. Yeah, he makes it. So He's expecting big things from Suley, uh, who will need to be really good against some really impressive uh, Springboks, wingers themselves, Kanamudi and another guy named Kurtley Arenza. Uh, and then Tom Wright at the back as well uh, at 15. He's been in terrific form at a super rugby level for the major part of the season as well. So a little bit of rugby league in there. We know that Eddie Jones loves his, uh, his rugby league flavour and we've got a touch of it on uh, Sunday morning first thing. One of the sort of curveballs for this fixture is the fact that the Springboks have... Rolled out a pretty weakened
2: or understrength side. It, it feels almost kind of lose-lose for the Wallabies. Win and it's so a weakened South African side.
1: Like lose and you lose. What, what's, no, the the, what's the deal with what's the deal with this box side? Uh, so what they've done. So I mean, they coach or they the director of coaching, Razi Erasmus who is a World Cup-winning coach, uh, who sits over the top of Jacques Nienaber, who is you know sort of the day-to-day guy, has got a real. Uh, I think the the correct French pronunciation is ponchon for um, trying things a little differently, and he sent almost an advanced squad of his top, top, top line players over to New Zealand just to keep things fresh and they did the same thing for memory back in 2019 ahead of their World Cup, just to give more players exposure, um, still give themselves a really good chance of obviously winning the rugby championship over in New Zealand, and then just back. Uh, It's not a weak side. Like, Stacky, it's not a weak South African team that uh, they've managed to assemble for that game in Pretoria, but um, it's not their strongest would be the best way of putting it. And the other thing worth remembering as well is uh, that place has been a graveyard for Aussie side after Aussie side. No Wallabies team has ever... In their history, the two sides won over at that venue. And they'll need to make history on uh, Sunday morning at 1am to get that happening, the Wallabies. He's hoping they can do just that. Looking forward to your call,
2: Shawnee Maloney. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Lovely to chat, Stacky. Always lovely to chat.
2: In the NRL, maybe the biggest talking point is how the players aren't talking to us. Yep. They're on partial strike from media until the league sorts out their collective bargaining agreement. Part of me thinks, hey, look, they never say anything in those interviews anyway. How much will I miss someone saying credit to the boys? But the other point of me thinks, actually, it can be quite revealing some of the insights into the game and also the players' emotions... And the third part of me is like, what a smart and effective tactic to get a resolution to something that was meant to be sorted out last year. So look, yeah, mixed feelings about the whole media bands thing on field and we are still in the weird origin period the Sharks thumped the Tigers Thursday night elsewhere we're interested to see how Parramatta might cope without Mitch Moses Regan Campbell-Gillard Dylan Brown and Clint King Gutho Gutherson when they take on the Warriors in Sydney the last time interestingly that they won without their skip Gutherson was half a decade ago in 2017 on Saturday the Dogs are coming off a 66 point thumping at the hands of Newcastle
1: this has just been emphatic It's been equally pathetic. The Canterbury.
2: Did we mention they didn't even score a solitary point themselves? They face a South Sydney team who are sitting seventh and badly need a victory. Ideally a big one to keep themselves in touch with the top four. But the Bunnies, they're missing a heap of players. Cook, Walker, Murray, Colomontangi all via origin duty as well as Latrell Mitchell who's still nursing an injured calf. Matt Burton gets a chance for the Dogs to make a statement after being kind of weirdly overlooked for origin after being in the squad for the first two games. This game to me feels wonky, off-centre, skew if unstable. Got to keep an eye on it. Finally, don't miss the all-Queensland clash on Sunday. As Wayne Bennett's Dolphins tackle the Gold Coast Titans, the Finns have lost four on the bounce, but the Titans are missing three forwards and their fullback due to origin. If the Gold Coast can win this, they might just climb into the top eight if a few other results go their way. Catch the action on the ABC Listen app. Every game, live, free, no commercials. It's a good deal. <laughs> Down bites. Jai Hindley lived out his childhood dream this week by winning the fifth stage of Le Tour de France and getting in the yellow jersey. He only managed to keep it 24 hours after a breathtaking ride from Jonas Vingegaard. And you know what we love about Hindley? He calls it how it is. This was his reaction after losing the lead. Oh, to be honest, I mean, I got my ass handed to me, but I really enjoyed it, so... I also love that the yellow jersey is a kind of wearable trophy, also in that category. The mustard belt, which was awarded to Joey Chestnut this week for the 16th time after he won the world's most prestigious hot dog eating competition. Speaking of great low-key truth-telling, here's Chestnut after eating 62 dogs in 10 minutes.
1: uh, I'm just happy. Uh, It's 4th of July and I I got to eat some hot dogs and get a win. I, uh, I got I get, I got leftover room, so I'll be having some beers later. From one goat to another, let's finish with Sam Kerr, who was
2: asked about the weight of expectation as she captains Australia to a World Cup on home soil in coming weeks. Pressure's not there. It probably means it's not that big of a game, to be honest. So I think pressure is a privilege, and I love pressure. I love being in a moment where, you know, one or two moments can change the the path of, you know, your career, really, and I think this World Cup is one of those moments. Excuse me, I'm just going to go run through a wall. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Joel Kasim. Thanks to Channel 9, Stan Sport and ESPN for the extra audio used in this episode.
0: Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.